0: listening to inclusive af with jackie clayton and katie van horn hi everybody and welcome to the inclusive af podcast i'm jackie clayton and i'm katie van
1: horn and we have an extremely amazing special guest with us this morning uh miss elena valentine thank you for joining us my friend um we're very happy that you're here because we love having conversations with you and you fit right into our theme, which is always just, Hey, we're having conversations about topics. I can so- curse on
2: here, right? No. Nope. So Jackie oh, and I- <laughs> I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me.
1: <laughs> Jackie and I decided we were going to try to not cuss. Now we haven't done an episode where we've like had a cocktail before we record, probably because that would go sideways and we would start cussing. If you do, have
2: at it. No, Full no, I'm, I'm in, I'm into this rule. Let me okay. it. <laughs> give me some structure. I got this. We're, we're very, very fancy over here.
1: Very, <laughs> uh, <laughs> very professional. Um, so Miss Elena, I would love for you to share a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your identity to get us started.
2: Yes, I identify as she, her. I identify as a woman of color. I also recognize that I come into a space with privilege. I come from two educated parents uh, who, you know, also as a result provided me a lot of access and doors that I walked through. Uh, And so I have keen awareness of, of that and recognizing when I'm in a space there to contribute and when I'm in a space to sit back and simply fosters space for others. So that's how I identify. And uh, uh, I think there's just a level of self-awareness, especially now of our roles when we come into conversations and spaces.
1: Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> so, um, I think Jackie and I have uh, an appreciation and a fascination with what you do for work. Um, And so we'd love for you to share a little bit about Skill Scout and what you all do.
2: Yeah, so it's Skill Scout Films. We exist to capture the humanity of work through stories that matter. And we primarily do that through the power of film. Uh, We see an opportunity to bring Kind of story into the workplace to increase meaningful connections and more importantly, help people reflect on the work that they do. Um, you know, if I can share my big manifestation with you, I am inspired uh, by my hero, a man named Studs Turkle, who wrote the nominal book Working, which he took an audio recorder, went all across the United States, and just pressed record as people talked about work. And that changed my life when I read that as a teenager. And so my manifestation is to be the premier visual historian of the modern workplace.
0: I love that. I And (laughs) just so you know, like for me, like I, even though I know that we're friends, I always fangirl with Elena. She's one of those people, like. Like, you just think that's how people are supposed to be. Like, oh, (laughs) you like you have to meet Elena in in person. You could be a cult leader, not even on purpose, just because you just bring people in. It's like this warm, loving, like, I don't know what you have, but I want some of it kind of vibe. And so it's like, so if I sit there in awe, it's because I'm just taking it all in. I'm just really glad that you're here and to share some of those messages. Because I think you come from a really interesting space. I mean, a lot of us talk about HR, but we still only have our 6 to 10 jobs as a reference, but you get to see a lot of different environments. Um is there any any is there any common thread that you've seen as you've gone to different places and seen how people work? Yeah. I mean,
2: Certainly, and we're seeing this in the data now even more is someone who feels like they belong uh, and someone who can really talk to the meaning and the purpose of their work. Stay. And sometimes the purpose of that work isn't the task of the work. Sometimes it's not even about the mission sometimes about the fact that they have found the best group of girl and guy friends they ever had that threw them the first baby shower or surprise them with their first birthday cake at 44. So that certainly uh, very much is probably a common thread. Um, And then certainly I think in the stories that we, we are kind of honored to hear, often a lot of that is that in, you know they, they do inevitably want to share their story, not just to be seen, but to help the next person. Which is why when we started, a lot of the reasons why we did video in the first place was because we wanted to eliminate some of those weird surprises that often might scare people off from that job or that company. And so that's been kind of something that's always, I think, surprising and delightful Uh, to hear and understand.
1: I love the fact that you are what I, I use the term story gatherer (laughs) and I am also a story gatherer um, because I think you're doing exactly what so many people want when it comes to looking for a job is, is truly understanding what's it really like to be there. What's it really like to experience the day in and day out. And, you know, I've loved to see a few of your movie premieres because I think they've just been so interesting and, Tell a different story. And so, like the one that kind of is front of mine as I'm just thinking about it this morning is Danine Pottery. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think, you know, they are based in Minneapolis. And you did the film premiere the week after um, everything went down with George Floyd. I think it was like the week after, right? Um, and so I think that one was just so fascinating to me would love to hear kind of your, your thoughts on just that group and kind of having that experience at that point in time.
2: We almost didn't have that premiere um, because that morning um, there was a ton of, of hubbub and violence um, that was happening around the city really close to Nanine Pottery itself and even for some of our hosts and community members that were coming out of Minneapolis. And so there was a very early morning discussion about, did this feel tone deaf to share a story about good old entrepreneurial family out of St. Paul, Minnesota, who've been born and raised there, or do we take a pause? Uh, And so inevitably we asked the, the family itself if they felt like this is something that they wanted to continue and they said, Yes, they did. Um, because, you know, even out of chaos, there is still very much beauty. There's so much beauty in Minneapolis and in St. Paul and in the people. I think it certainly helps that they come from a very activist background themselves. And I think the other condition that we agreed together was that we were also going to acknowledge and hold space for what was happening, that we weren't going to just fly over this this premiere without holding space, without providing a moment of silence for George Floyd and for the community that needed a lot of love and healing. And so that's how that started. But I think as a result, once we could acknowledge that that's what was happening, people could lean in to that story and to celebrate that St. Paul, Minneapolis is a beautiful place in space. Um, Certainly this is a, a family and a company filled with load of diversity. I mean, many, we have three to four generations of Hmong families that are part of the Indian story and are very much part of that fabric. And so we felt still with that too, that this was was a story that was worth uh, sharing even in that
0: moment.
1: Awesome, thank you. Um, That was one that I, I truly enjoyed and, you know, To your point, I think it was done so beautifully. Like you guys did an amazing job. Um, This is the fangirl piece, FYI. Um, (laughs) Because it was like, hey, we totally appreciated that we're having this conversation in this historical and not in a good way, historical time in the United States. And it was handled so beautifully, like just, yeah, let's hold space, but let's have that conversation and talk about it and what the impacts are on the community that's there. So thank you, that was that was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, who do you want to interview that you have not yet? Who's on your like target list? Who are the people that you're like, wow, I would love to sit down and get this person's story um, as you think about, you know, and, and maybe not even just like for work perspective, but is there anyone on your target list? They might be listening, so this is your chance. <laughs>
2: That is such an incredible question. And go figure out right? as soon as this is done. I'm like, oh my God,
0: it was supposed to be <laughs> of course of course. We can edit it in later. What she said was. <laughs> we'll person. put it in the notes.
2: Um, let me reflect okay. and take that in.
1: Okay, we'll come back to that as yeah, <laughs> but that that's.
2: Thank you for having me dream big a little bit here on the spot. I love that.
1: Uh, Yeah, that's what it's all about. We are all kind of entrepreneurs in our own way. So yes, absolutely. Um, So speaking of kind of holding space, obviously this will be pushed out um, in a few weeks, but we want to acknowledge the events of last week. Um, So we are recording this a week out from the attack on the Capitol. I don't know what, what the right word is to use um, the coup attempt on the Capitol. Um, and so I just want to kind of open that up as a topic of discussion. So Miss um, Jackie,
0: do you want to start? Sure. Um, I just, you know, it was a really I, it's almost I think some of the evidence that we saw was really hard it was already a, a fear and I'm not going to cry my eyelashes off. One of the things that I saw, and if you remember after the election, and one of the things that I had mentioned, just like being a Black woman, being like, why do they hate us? Like, where I was like, I don't understand why people hate us. And it, it was that same feeling, but then it got, it was out of control it was those things that get out of control. On the other, on not, not other side, but I mean, you think about the whole mob mentality. This is a, a very big um, piece that that I know people are going to be seeing now of what can happen with groupthink. I mean, it just goes to show you why diversity training and all of those things are so important. And then after it, I think I was really triggered by all the people saying, why aren't people getting arrested? It's like, dude, like seriously, like if you really ask the question, yet another reason why diversity training is so um, necessary. Cause I was like, if you don't know why, let's have a conversation. Cause we were in two, we've been raised in two different worlds. The fact that you're saying that's not us, we were raised in two different worlds. Cause that has definitely been us air quotes. Um, And then it also made me hurt thinking, you know, this is like all part of bias, thinking of my own world and thinking of me, little Jackie Clayton in Waco, Texas, and how much you give to communities and you try to help environments. And there are people that will always, there's always someone on the other side who doesn't like the work that we're doing, you know, or the types of things that you do and people, it's, I already am a proponent for, for justice and equity and what's fair. Um, but it always hurts when you see people trying to destroy that, Like you don't know. It's one of those things. Like it feels like a drive-by shooting and there's a three-year-old who got shot, right? Like you don't know who you're hurting and you don't even care in that moment. Like somebody, and then now, seeing all the videos of that the police officer that was get, getting crushed, I can't do it. And so that's kind of where I've been of of there's just so much in it. there's There's a lot of pieces to this puzzle and just hate and lies. and I don't understand people who who want to hurt people. I, I don't, not, not like that. So it's kind of mm-hmm. where I'll start with that. So there's three things that, uh, well, thank you for sharing, Jackie. You're welcome.
2: <laughs> and there's, uh, there's three things that come to mind for me. And I have to laugh at this. So, you know, I, I come from uh, a family who escaped Nazi Germany and so, especially for my, my father's generation, who, who have um, survivors, uh, there's such a, you're ingrained with that level of kind of trauma. And my father always used to say, and I used to laugh and joke when, you know, there'd be the joke of, well, there's Nazis under our bed, right? They're always there. Elena, there's Nazis under our bed. Don't you forget it. And I was like, all right, whatever, dad. Like, we live in West Rogers Park. We're surrounded by Jews. Like, I go to the most diverse, you know, high school in the city, like, whatever. Well, Nazis just aren't under our bed. Like, the Nazis are out. (laughs) And, you know, this is a a president in a time where um, that kind of thinking that has long been there, has now had a platform to
0: seed. Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. You will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about and keeps talking about, and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so.
2: And what I was talking to my husband about even last night was, young people think this way. This is not just your 60-year-old guy who's lived a life, like, these are 20-year-olds. Which is scary to think, considering that Generation Z of Jackie's kid's age who are growing up in you know, probably the most diverse generation that we've ever had that have had the most access to kind of a globalized network of people, that this is a type of think that very much is alive and well and growing even within that community. Um, I think another thing that uh, was also clear and I know Jim Stroud had talked about this was you know when you call people out right like yes we're celebrating that trump's account got suspended on facebook or twitter whatever it is oh though though but those feelings are still much alive and well in fact it's getting even deeper and angrier people even more angrier that this leader that their voice has been silenced so just because it's silenced on social media doesn't mean that the undercurrent of what's happening right now um, is only growing. And so that's that's scary. I think the other thing that, that's scary when we think about social media is that we have these platforms where anyone has a voice. And if you want to think of all the theories of what not you want, you will find a community of thousands of millions of people who think just like that. And you can just be there and get all the facts, I am in quotation marks, all the facts you could want and never have to look at anything else. That's also what's happened here, is that we now have the you know the level of technology and access where people have these platforms to go to, to simply just go there to find out their information, to build that community and, and think that they're right. And, and the funny thing, and I'll end with this is, we all think we're reasonable people. You, Jackie, me, right now, we think we're having a reasonable conversation. And what's scary is that they do too. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. I think that's the, the, the piece on social media. I, first of all, the echo chamber is so accurate. Like just the, I can go find data to support my position and to confirm what I believe regardless of what that belief is. And I can find, like you said, people that feel the same way. I think the piece that also is frustrating to me is that this has been allowed to fester on social media for so long without any accountability. And now that these tech companies now realize, oh, wow, we have, the Democrats are gonna be in power. And so we need to kind of clean up our acts or, you know, get right and be on the right side of this before, um joe biden takes office it's just it that part makes me also angry um because i agree with you like yes they will find a place but it is also the go crawl under that rock go back under that rock you're not allowed to be out in the light and and we we want you away this is not okay this is not oh hey it's not a big deal and that's just the way we are no this is go away and never come back um and, and to your point, like, I think that's a piece that is, the scariest piece to me is that it's the neighbor next door, it's the cousin, it's the, that you're like, oh my goodness gracious, like, how can you, I, I saw something recently, I read something and it was basically like, how can you be on the same side as Nazis? Like pure and simple, like, regardless of what you think of Trump, regardless of what you think of anything, if you're on the same side as a Nazi, like at what point do you go, huh, maybe this is not the right side of history, beliefs, whatever you might say to be on. And I think that's the piece that's also disturbing, but also scary because it is our family members and people that we know. And, you know, the HR community, I think has, we've seen quite a bit of folks crawling out from under that rock and showing themselves for who they truly are. And it's been sad, but it's also like, there is that like, hey, glad that we know, Mm -hmm. but go back under that rock.
0: But that's also why, like a couple of things. That's also why, if you remember this summer, the incident with the Confederate flag in my backyard, one of the things that I always said was, when during that conversation, people were saying, are you going to ask them to take it down? And I said, no, I don't want to ask them to take it down. I want to tell them that it hurts me and have them take it down. If they are trying to make me upset and they want me to be upset, I need them to leave it up. And it's the same thing with social media where I would rather, you know, what they say, like the devil, you know, Like, Mm -hmm. I would rather be able to see you um, to have those things rather than you get on some social media page that I'm not going to see because they don't, you know, invite Black women to (laughs) those places. And I'm not going to know. So there's that. I also believe if they do it to people that you disagree with, they will do it to people that you agree with. And I don't want them to silence me. But the other part in speaking with the with things that are within the media that made me so frustrated is there is a historian from Yale University. His name is Timothy Snyder, and he wrote a a book about tyranny. But there is an article that's on Salon from 2017, and he said it's pretty much inevitable that Trump will try to stage a coup and overthrow democracy. This was three years ago. And if you go back, you know, I volunteer and I I think I've said this a lot. This comes up, has been coming up a lot. I volunteer with Common Cause and we try to make sure people have the legal right to vote. But part of that is monitoring to make sure there isn't misinformation or disinformation. And we've been talking about this forever. And so don't act like this was a chicken little information and you were trying to tell, you know, situation where you were trying to tell everybody and no one was listening. That's what. It's like I don't know what. How do you think this was going to go down? Really, we've been saying this is not going to be good since mm-hmm. he got elected. This yeah. is not going to end well. When he listen, the the fact that if you he's been saying this for four years, and it goes back to oh quote when people show you who they are, believe them. Like mm-hmm. how did you think? How else did you think this was going to go down? Mm-hmm. And. The part that's frustrating to me is that even though I think all of us have brought attention to these issues, to know that it wasn't enough is frustrating. And even with the people, the movement of people trying to be woke, that they really honestly, because that's the other part, you really didn't think it was going to go that far. Like you saw that these things were happening. You You really didn't believe us. You really didn't. You said that you did. You said you understood. You said you got there. And you didn't. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there was another documentary this weekend about the Philippines and their situation with their government. Um, And it's, it's almost, it's like a freaking historic book for what's going on in our own community and where we can go. And you're watching this going, wait, this is eight years ago and it's going exactly the same way the The way that she is proposing with the with the government and with the media and not believing in the media, and then you then all this tear me, I just I don't know what to think anymore. Yeah, I
1: um I agree. I, it is it is almost, well, I think for so many people, it's surreal. Like watching, so I was actually on a different podcast we were recording last week while everything was going on at Capital. and, and it was literally us, we all were paused kind of sitting there staring at our, you know, respective TVs going, is this real? Like what, what in the world? And, and I think the piece that is interesting to me is also the, if you're saying that you are that much about government and, you're the law and order president, and you know, all of these things that, you know, these folks claim to be the biggest patriots and the, you know, we love our country, we love our flag, blah, 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 blah. How in the world do you reckon that in your head to go, yeah, this is what we're gonna do? We're gonna go terrorize our government, basically, and the folks that are working in our government to try and keep the democ- the democratic process alive. Like, how do you reckon that in your head? That's the one also, it's just surreal.
0: I don't know how you have that level of disrespect for just a lectern. Right. Don't like, that's that's the part that I don't understand. Well, there's a lot that I don't understand. Can I just clarify that? I don't need to say yeah. that. Yeah, everything I'm saying, I don't understand. <laughs> I'm trying to wrap my head around it. Yes, um, but I think that uh, another thing that is is really frustrating is all of the comparisons to other situations throughout history with when there's been rioting or protests that have gone awry and all of those things. When you can't even compare, we're not we're talking about to people fighting and protesting because they didn't have rights or trying to get rights or being overlooked or being marginalized. And you still tried to do that, but it didn't work. And you exercised your right and you still, you still, and you're doing what? That's the part that kills me. It's like, what do you you mean? You, Mm -hmm. there was a vote and all the people that you tried to hold back. Well, people still slipped through, but there was a vote. So we're done. And, and, and it really does remind you of just being a sore loser. And it it just, it just reminds you of that when, you know, the way that people are, are responding reminds me of that.
2: Yeah. I'm reminded, um, some, both of you may have heard of the Lyndon B. Johnson quote when he says, if you can convince the lowest white man, he's better than the best colored man. He won't notice you're picking his pocket. Hell, give him somebody to look down on and he'll empty his pockets for you.
0: And you know what? That's we and that's a Linda B. Johnson quote, but that's on the whole story of slavery. Like I was, you know, and it's a whole thing with immigrants. They -hmm. they when they try to let go, oh, don't free the slaves because they'll take your jobs. You don't want that job. You convince people they're taking something from you or that you're owed something that you must be better, and they said that a lot about what you're referring to about like the lowest white man really honestly thinks Trump's going to cut them a check and their life is going to get better, yeah. And,
2: and you know, and I think you know. It's, it's, it's the reckoning that our, our level of racism runs so deep, it's kind of how our country was built. The reason why, at least for some time- Kind of, America it's not has even
0: kind of. Yeah.
2: Has been further ahead is because we built this country on the backs of 400 years of free indentured labor. How can you compete with that? Of course you can't, like, yes, like, you know, if you can build a country on hundreds of years of free labor This is this is unfortunately what you're going to get, and the scary part is, um, and again, right? We're seeing this in, in this generation, and this is also what's what's scaring people is that by 2050, whites will be the minority, and so there that that feeling of yeah, I think this this just grasping for for power, for privilege, for reasoning or understanding of. Of of that, right? That they've been made to feel that there's this level of now instability and imbalance. Um, that that's that's going to happen and again, right? I'm I'm with Jackie. I I don't pretend to understand what I don't understand, but it's I, scary I, and and, it's and terrifying. This is, this is something that many generations of black and brown people have been feeling forever, right? Um, A a level of trauma that gets passed between generations and generations. Um, And so there's much in this country of people who are not surprised by what happened. Jackie had mentioned, right? And and many who I think are surprised and I think maybe some of us are a bit surprised by their surprise.
0: But, yeah. Like what?
2: Yeah. But this won't, this won't get solved quickly. And what's become very clear and unfortunate is, you know, Trump has a level of political power that I don't think any of us um, had anticipated in the way that he has. Well, I mean, except for Trump. Yeah, he will be a you know you know when we're thinking about the impeachment and stuff it's it's less about trying to impeach him now as it is preventing him from running for office because what they're frightened of is that 2024 he could have another chance
0: and you can't go against the de- democratic process so they're trying to prevent him from running for office ever again um but even that's the thing that is important. Like I've o- I've always looked at politics as a hobby, like the way Katie looks at housewives, Real Housewives of Potomac. I <laughs> <laughs> use our, our government. I've always looked at it um, and seen some of the patterns in history and been like, You can, it's not that hard. You could say, oh, that's not going to happen. Like you can just tell like who's presenting the bill. Oh, that's tied to oil reserves. Oh no, it's about feeding children. Oh no, no, no. Who'd you say was on it? Where do they live? How is this going to benefit their state? Like it's really hilarious that people don't know how this works. Mm -hmm. Like it's really not rocket science at all, at all. And you look, if if you have seen the, I, I'm a big documentary buff, as you know. So like, Send Me Roger Stone already told you how this was going to go down, what the rules of engagement was going to be. All of those things, starting with Richard Nixon. I And there's all of those people that got arrested while, you know, it, with Trump working on his campaigns have worked on these before. We already know mm-hmm. The modus operandi. So you, you know, people need to pay attention, take notes. Just a, a friendly note if they if they want to make a difference. Because it's really not that hard. And you have to be careful on who there is no at this point, especially since I think it's not even really left leaning. I think a lot of people are just more in the in the middle of trying to find some of these things. You can't vote straight party and you're gonna have to do the math. Um there was a particular app when you were voting and it was like, well, how do you feel about this issue? And how do you feel about this and this and this? And then it was like, oh, I'm a libertarian. I didn't even know what that meant. Like, I <laughs> no, I guess, oh, I guess I am. Didn't realize, okay, don't know what that is. Um, you can't, you have to pay attention to what these, because I mean, yeah, it's great that you want to take whatever Lawler, and now you're saying, "Oh yeah, we want to vote him out of office." You just voted him in five minutes ago, so I don't understand. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? You thought this was going to be a problem? I'm from Texas. I know why they why Ted Cruz is acting a fool and why he's trying to act like that because he he needs to because of where of Texas. Mm-hmm. I I want I I can't wait to see if he shows up in. Alamo, Texas, not to be confused with the Alamo, which again is five hours in the other direction. Um, we'll see how that plays out. I just want to see his face when he gets out of the plane today to see if he you know, if he says. I just want to see if he asks where the Alamo is, just for my own for my own uh, entertainment purposes. But I, the fact the fact that you it's so like just so mind numbing to see how uneducated people willingly are. All of this is public record. All of it is public record. And you have to look at what you really, people are going to have to do soul searching. It's the same thing that we do within corporations. When you come up with your mission statement and what are your company values? And you think if you don't, pay attention to it, things get completely out of control. You have to get a grasp on what those things are and make sure that people align with them. It can't just be what letter is by their name on how you make your voting decisions.
1: Basically, we need a glass door for all of our elected officials so that people can do reviews on what they're voting on, not voting on, how they're positioning themselves. So we need glass door concept for all of them. And more importantly, we need term limits. That's the one that like, I, I, these, and I mean, I know Joe Biden is one of them, so I will caveat it when I say that, that the lifetime politicians for real, I mean, the turtle of Mitch McConnell, like, sir, please retire and please go away. Turtle. He looks like a turtle. (laughs) That's not, I'm not sorry. I didn't realize. (laughs) He does. Um, but like, I mean, Lindsey Graham, another one, like, it's like, just please go, please go. And I think, you know, all of these fresh voices that we're seeing people want fresh ideas, want fresh voices, want diversity in their representation. And I think that's a piece that is coming through loud and clear in a lot of different places, which does inspire hope. But then you do have these places where you're like, I I don't understand how you can reelect someone that's just a vile human that it just, it boggles my mind. But then this goes back to, they don't want change. And, you know, Atlanta, to your point, it's, there is this fear of if we allow things to change. We're gonna lose power. We're gonna lose and yeah. it's you know a complete power game. Yeah, and we're- we
2: are willing to forego facts, records, ethics for our own self our own self-preservation. Yeah, absolutely. And this is and what's think- happening on a on kind of a on a wider scale, and we're instilling that fear in our children mm-hmm. who are feeling that same way, which is why we have these 18, 19, 20-year-olds being radicalized. Right. In this way.
1: And it's just the, yeah, the domestic terrorism that's going on. And it, every time I see like a young kid or a younger person, um, that is involved in all of that, it does make me think of like those videos that we saw not you know, not even a few years ago, but you know, kind of like after 9-11, where it was, oh, this person was radicalized by Al Qaeda and then they came here to do this, that, and their thing. And you're like, How in the world did that happen? And then you're like, Oh, wait,
2: it's happening here right now. Yeah. And, and our enemies have it. always been closer than we thought. Right. Exactly. Right. It's exactly. a lot easier to say our enemy is across the ocean. <laughs> our enemy has always been here.
0: Has never mm-hmm. been across the ocean,
2: yeah. You no, you
0: always, always been here. That's what's so I funny mean, too. We
2: think about the people who have fought our wars. Mm-hmm. It boggles my mind, and I know that I'm detracting, but Jesus, thirty percent of our v- of of our of our American soldiers in Vietnam were black. Thirty mm-hmm. percent, and yet those stories, you know. We're, we're we're lost, we're put under. And I know obviously there's a lot of work now being done to preserve that, but Jesus, mm-hmm. like to think that I was 30 something years old to find that fact out. It, I was, I was in shock.
1: Yeah. And so I just, I like your sidebar cause I'm gonna keep going with you. Cause, so I went to visit Nam and had a amazing trip. But like the first day, the first thing that we did was this tour of the Coochie Tunnels, which is basically where um, the Viet Cong lived underground and would then go you know, lure the soldiers in. And we're not gonna go into the who was right and wrong in Vietnam because there's a lot of stuff there. But I stood at one point I was just standing in this jungle where these caves are Uh, caverns whatever you call them underground uh, tunnels and it is this thick thick jungle and a you're talking about 30 percent of these kids because they were kids they were 17 and 18 years old I don't know what the average age was in Vietnam but I'm standing there as a 19 thank you I'm standing there as a you know 40-ish year old woman going oh my god could you imagine being terrorized and and you know walking around and so it's also that and then on top of it you know how they were rejected when they came back to the us like there's just
0: there's a lot there that's why we have that law And, and that's what people don't realize when you talk about why nobody has ever asked me i've always wondered why veterans are on the diversity inclusion list when you're hiring they never ask why veterans are on that same list and they don't realize like there is a whole history of not hiring. It's the same thing, a different version of what we're dealing with today of those people that are all getting arrested for storming the castle, right? Mm -hmm. These, they, you believe that. So I'm going to take away your pool company. These people came back. Oh, you fought in Vietnam. Then you can't work at my vet clinic because I don't want people who have that hate and did something on behalf of, whatever you were told right and mm-hmm. and you know it's a bizarro world it's a bizarro world because you you know 30 uh, percent you know white people are going to be or in 30 years white people are going to be the the minority you know right the minority group and then what's going to happen it's going to be very interesting when people start saying oh you know this isn't fair or we're going to have to find white people to bring to work it, and it and it will be a different story it will be a different narrative that goes behind that yeah mm-hmm. Culture and some fun. Listen to Fruit Loop Serial Killers of Color on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: And, and I think, you know, we, we see this in history and our biology and anthropology, right? Like there's always been an us versus them dichotomy since the beginning of time. It started with man and woman. And then it started from infant infantilizing our you know the communities we conquered right uh, we think about orientalism so either we're infantilizing them or we're criminalizing them and we're over a map you know we're overmasculating them we always create the common enemy and this will continue to jackie's point i don't know what that looks like in the next 30 years um But that that thread will still be there.
0: It will. And the, the I I can only imagine it's like you, when the tables are turned and I just hope that there are still people trying to look for fairness and equity. And at some point, I don't know, I don't know if there will ever be, where it'll ever be, always fair and balanced all all of the time. Um and you know, but I can I I can just see a, a world because I mean we've been, you know, a lot of black and brown people have been taught to hate themselves. Mm-hmm. And it'll be interesting to see with the flip side of history, it'll be interesting to see a hundred years how this past week's events play out.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: I I think,
1: yes, I think it will be very interesting to see even, I mean, well, I think every single day, all of us are kind of on pins and needles, like what's going to happen next? What, you know, what other shoe is going to drop? Because I think all of the things, and I don't know if you all can kind of remember back to when Trump was elected, all of us were like, oh yeah, no, he wouldn't do that. Oh no, he's not going to do that. And every, at every single turn, people were shocked that he was doing these things. And I'm like, well, from the time he rode down on that escalator, he said he was going to do these things. Like, how are you surprised that he is acting as a racist? He's been acting as a racist from the moment he opened his mouth to announce his candidacy. And, you know, And I think there's just, I am of the opinion, and I think so many people are of a all of the things that he promised, I think, I shouldn't say all of them, quite a few of the promises that he made, he didn't keep. Um, and also like I, there's, there's just a moral piece there that I don't care if the person has turned around the economy and we're in the best place we've ever been in our entire history of the United States, you are morally bankrupt and I cannot support that. And so I think that's a piece too, where it's, again, it's that, you know, you're standing beside Nazis, you're standing beside pedophiles, you're standing beside all of these things that just from a moral and ethical perspective, it's not okay. And that's the part that I'm like, how do you as a human, like do that in your head and go, yeah, no, this is our guy. He's the one we're gonna stand behind. And especially, you know, folks. And, you know, I think you both were kind of going this direction, folks that maybe feel like they have been wronged by the systems. They have been wronged by the black and brown people. How can they also go, yeah, this guy's going to fix it? Because Trump isn't for the man. Trump is for Trump. And Trump is not for the people. He is for Trump. And so like that continuous like storyline of, oh, he's going to help us out. Oh, look, our taxes are better. Oh, look, we got a bigger tax return. All these things. And you're like, huh? Like it
0: doesn't even make sense. And it doesn't work that way. That's right. That's the other thing. (laughs) And you made me go. That is bad, Katie. You got the tisk out? Oof. Because it was like, you you can't just print money. Like, it comes from somewhere. Like, all of the burden. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, of course, Trump wants to okay $2,000 per person on his way out for people without figuring out how to give people jobs or how to give people education or how to forgive some of this their debt, like the things that people need on his way out because then somebody else has that burden to try to fix. We already saw that when Obama got here. And I think what we need to understand, especially those of us, the us Gen Xers, and it's been a very weird journey, you know, and we're not that big and so we have to stick together. (laughs) as Gen Xers. (laughs) But this is not the post 9-11. We're not in the post 9-11 world anymore, where people are radicalized in that way. And that's what is a weird balance of what you're seeing, because we have never been at war in Gen X. It was until 9-11. So we didn't have, we didn't have a lot of, we had hate and fear, but it was It was across the pond. The -hmm. people that you're talking about, the millennials or the Gen Zers, were born into that. My daughter is 20 years old. She was born in 2000. 9-11 happened in 2001. So they've been at war since they've been born. The generation before that, you have, you know, those wars since they've been there. And so you have, those are the messages and things that have been given to generations where they were on, on that fight. And so- if if now we will continue to see it because our enemy that we've created internally so people are going to be raised internally meaning within the united states within our country and so it's those same people that used to be like oh i you know oh those commies and oh that russia and blah blah blah, blah, like that are going to be doing that here and they just always need somebody to blame and so they're teaching them that the problem is here. And so we are going to see, and we're going to see what's weird to even think about when And we've seen more of it, are radical leftists, right? Mm-hmm. It's like so odd to me. <laughs> it's like, you know, we're going to see these, that people that are, are completely radical and it's just as bad regardless on, on where you are. I mean, there are lots of people that want to see this balance and try to come more, you know, into the middle, but we're we're gonna see that too. Because I mean, it's hard because there's so many things that have been ignored for so long that are all coming to fruition. And I think we've been paying attention to what is not getting fixed and not being done here, that we've ignored it for so long that you can't. Mm -hmm. It snowed eight inches in Waco. We are gonna have to deal with climate control people are going to and they're gonna see people you know like radical about the environment you know the things that we didn't even think about that's here in our yes. own country we've spent four years ignoring you know change and you see the list when Biden and um Kamala were elected Biden and Harris were elected like the next day people were pulling out their lists of things to do. Yeah mm-hmm. Because there's so much. There's a lot. I remember Hannah, my daughter in the second grade was vice president in her class. And she came home so stressed out because she was like, mom, all these people are asking for like food and money. And I'm like, people, we are in a war right now. (laughs) I was like, that's exactly how this goes down, Hannah. Like that's real life. (laughs) Right. Like, how can you even come to me talking about, you know. Drunk driving. We are literally heading towards nuclear war right now. There's a lot of things going on at one time. Absolutely. Okay. Miss Elena,
1: I have two questions for you. The first one, who's the ultimate
2: guest or guests? Right now, oddly, the two people that come to mind is Dr. Fauci. And Brian Stevenson.
0: Oh, Okay. Who's Brian Stevenson?
2: Uh, he is the lawyer. He's part of like kind of the Equity Justice project. There was a recent film about him called Mercy that was played by Michael B. Jordan. Uh, and I was just fascinated by his story and work. When we did our own film, uh, a short film about a an 86 year old retired public defender out of Chicago, I loved him. And I started doing all of the um, just kind of research and just happened upon, you know, everything about Brian Stevenson. And so I know I'm sure there's there's clearly a lot of stories that have been done by him, but I'd like to have a beer with him and just talk about his passion.
0: Awesome. And if, and just to mention, it was the People's Defender Humans at yeah. Work video mm-hmm. by, is it still up somewhere where people can see it?
2: Um, Not yet, because we're still submitting it to various film festivals and things.
0: We'll make an, a note of your name. We'll put info at whateverplace.com if people are interested. It's, it's fascinating. And the trailer is up, I know. Yeah, the trailer's
2: up, and we can you can share that in the show notes. But I think that's what's been fascinating is that in all the stories we do, there's there's been there's been people that have come before them, people that have come after them that will continue to come after them. And I think that's also some of the beauty of this story, that it really is never about that one person. It's about all of the events and all of the people that have influenced them up until this point. And you can go down all the rabbit holes you can. Um, you know, exploring the lives, exploring the passions uh kind of behind the work that a lot of these other folks have done. And I think the other you know, Dream Guest, it was funny, I was talking to Abby about this as we're thinking about just our own storytelling for Skill Scout Films and our whys is even thinking about, you know, how much our own careers, how we think about our work is influenced by our families, is influenced by our parents. And, you know, I lost my mother when I was young, around 22. And I think that I would have loved to really have a meaningful conversation about her work and her why. And there's still a lot of things I discover on my own about her, but I think those are some really interesting kind of stories to think about that I, I at least for 2021 on a personal level, just want to commit to, to just sit down with my dad and like really get the full story. And then start to piece like, oh, this is why this theme is resonating with me, or this is why I do what I do when I think about work. Um, So they're not dream guests, but it certainly is a commitment I make to myself that I think would make me um, a better leader and a better storyteller, because you don't know where you're going unless you know where you come from. And if I am manifesting to be the visual historian of the modern workplace, then I need to do some additional digging on myself. Awesome. I love that. Very, very cool. If there is,
1: so we, we end our episodes with uh, one question each time and we each answer this. If there's one thing that you want people to take away from this episode, what is your one thing? Mm. Jackie, do you have yours?
0: Cause you can go if you have yours. Just be nice and show grace to people. Um, as people are learning on this journey, I think there's a lot of people this week that realize that they made a really big mistake and that maybe they've been lied to and maybe they don't, um, just to show those people grace as they come out. It's never too late to make a change and to change your mind and for those of us uh, um, that may have a difference of opinion and people are coming to you letting you know that their truth and asking for assistance that we cannot reject those people Mm -hmm. because I think that happens.
2: Um, For me the takeaway and this is kind of just a bigger takeaway in thinking about how these issues come up at work folks are having to rewrite the playbook. If not, there never really was one. You know, corporations, companies never really had to think about just how deep and just how much politics and those kinds of things are going to come up. And so it's been a challenge over these past several years and certainly now today coming to light of like, what's legal, what's not legal, what's this, what's that? How much do we play by the book? How much do we play by heart? And I think, you know, the big challenge for us being in in human resources is being people leaders that this is clearly a playbook that we all need to get some consistency on and figure out because this is alive and well, and this will happen. And if we think about the generations that are coming after us, they expect this. There's nothing separate here. This is all going to be integrated. And so to me, this conversation became ever the more clear how important that's going to be.
1: That's great. I think for me, it is really about the fact that we need to pause and kind of to to Jackie's point, kind of allow for grace and allow for forgiveness. And we are not going to be able to move on until we all come to some sort of agreement, or at least try to get closer to an agreement. You know, I think the, the piece that keeps coming up that I'm seeing kind of across every social media platform is, you know, Biden has a lot of work ahead of him to kind of unite so many different groups and so many different beliefs. And it is not an easy job that he has. Um, not that being the president has ever been an easy job, but how do we continue to have those conversations with people that maybe are on the other side of the fence to say, how can we come closer together? And, you know, I think in talking about DNI. and i that's where I try to go so often. I'm not gonna cure anyone's racism. I'm not gonna cure anyone's bias, but if I can move them further down the path and bring them closer to where, you know, we have a equitable world, we have equitable workplace, that's where we need to go. So I think that's kind of it for me. So. Where can we find you if if our audiences is, is looking for you? And obviously we'll put some links in the show notes, but how can they find you?
2: Girls, I'm everywhere. Uh, <laughs> She's like air. No, I mean, Every Twitter, omnipresent. omnipresent. LinkedIn. I, uh, I welcome your connection uh, and conversation and to learn more about your story. Awesome.
1: Well, again, thank you so much for joining us. Um, This has been a fun conversation. I love both
2: of you ladies deeply, which I'm very excited uh, to see this pairing, which is so natural, I guess. Like when I saw that you all had, you know, revealed the podcast, I was like, well, duh, like kind of a head slap (laughs) moment. Like, well, this, this makes sense.
0: And so someone thought that because we weren't sure
2: too sure. (laughs) So I'm, uh, I'm delighted and excited, um, to see, to see your pairing and, and thank you for holding space for me.
0: Oh, I can't you. wait till we can see each other and give a big hug again. Yes, absolutely.
1: All right. Thanks for joining us for the inclusive AF podcast. This is Katie Van Horn. And this is Jackie
0: Clayton. See you next time. Bye. <laughs>